Well, good morning, and again, welcome to Renaissance. And uh, I just want to extend a special welcome if you're a friend or a family member visiting from out of town for this Thanksgiving uh, holiday weekend. Thanks for coming and checking things out. And uh, uh, if you're just a guest with us today, thanks for coming to Renaissance. And hopefully that this is this this one hour is a, is a gift that we can just extend to you. My name is Chris, and uh, we're starting this uh, new series today called Hope Rising. And I started thinking about this word hope a lot as we were kind of uh, getting closer to uh, uh, this day, this Sunday, to kick off this series. And uh, what's interesting about this word hope, it, it's very similar uh, uh, to the word love. Now, not, not in definition or meaning, but how we use those words, right? Love is one of these overused words. I say, I love pizza, I love my wife, and I love my mom. And hopefully, I love all three of those things uh, in a vastly different way, right? If not, it'd be weird, especially the pizza one. And so we use the, the word hope in the same way. We use hope in our everyday language. We, we, uh, if you are a Cowboys fan, <sighs> you, you hope that they would have won a game on Thanksgiving Day. And then you realize during the game, uh, your, hope, uh, your, your thought of them uh, winning a game quickly turned to, I hope that they can find an actual quarterback that can play that position. And I was feeling bad for myself. And then I watched the Jets game, and <laughs> I, I had hope all over again. I think, I think the Jets and the Cowboys should play together. It, it would... It wouldn't be much of a, a, a sports event. It'd be very comedic, though. We'd, we would laugh at both Sanchez and Romo. There was this point in the game where I looked, and Romo's on the bench, and he has this confused look on his face, like, oh, what am I doing here type of look. I'm like, you're the quarterback. Throw the ball. There's always next year. A couple of days before Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I took over the role of, of cooking the turkey. And uh, I feel bad because my wife had this plan. And I'm like, no, I got a plan. She goes, I have a plan. I'm like, I have to do the turkey. And so she relented. And uh, over the years, I've cooked turkey many different ways. My favorite, personally, is a fried turkey. There's nothing better than that. And, uh, but this year, I, I wanted to try brining a turkey. I've never brined a turkey, and many of you, you know, you swear by brining a turkey. And so days before Thanksgiving, I started the process with this one thought, I hope that this turkey turns out. I hope that this turkey tastes good. I hope that I don't ruin Thanksgiving. And so I started to make the brine and I added all the ingredients to the pot and I brought it up to a boil and then you had to let it sit there and cool. And so, you know, an hour or so later, it finally cooled and I put it in the refrigerator and waited. The day before Thanksgiving, I pulled the the turkey out of the refrigerator and is all ready to go. And I kind of just patted it down, not because I needed to. I just felt like I should have a moment with the turkey. <laughs> I said, thank you to the turkey for giving his or her life. I'm not sure if it's a his or her. And, and I'm like, thank you for giving your life that we may be gluttons today. And, uh, and so then I got out the, the five gallon bucket. I poured the brine in the bucket I added the chilled ice water into the bucket and I gently, gently, I didn't want to hurt the turkey, 
lowered the turkey into the brine. As I uh, put the, the lid on that bucket and sealed that bucket, I had this thought, I hope, I hope this works. I hope it tastes good. The, the brine smelled amazing, but like, I hope this all, whatever it's going to do in this bucket for 16 hours, I hope it does its thing. I set it out on our, our, our patio and, uh, cause that's where you put turkeys. And, uh, I set it outside and plus it's New Jersey. It's kind of cold outside if you haven't noticed. And, uh, and so I sat there and for 16 hours, I had this thought like, I hope it works. Thanksgiving morning, I wake up and I pull that bucket inside. I open up the, the uh, I take the lid off of it. I pull that turkey out and I gently patted it dry. Then I applied this layer of oil over it. I had the oven cranked already and I stuck that turkey into the oven and there I waited for about three and a half hours. It was a big turkey, 22 pounds worth of turkey. We have more turkey than I know. We're going to be eating turkey until February. And, uh, and so, so I put it in there and I didn't open the oven door. You don't open, right? Don't open the oven door ever. That's the rule. Some of you are door openers. No, you mess up the turkey. Leave it shut. And so I, I peered through the window and I saw it getting all nice golden brown. I'm like, it looks amazing on the outside, but I hope it tastes good. I pull out the turkey. I put it uh, on the, 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 the board to rest. It's resting. Why? Because I think the turkey's tired. It needs to rest. And I proceed to carve it. And I put it on this big platter and there's still this thought of, I hope it tastes good. I hope that everyone at, 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 at tur- our Thanksgiving dinner uh, will enjoy this turkey. But I had this other thought in my head. If it doesn't taste good, we have a ham. <laughs> right? You have to have the backup. You know, we cut open the, or we all ate the turkey and the turkey tastes amazing. But this was days of me hoping, but not sure. And isn't that how we use that word hope? If you have kids, you hope a lot, don't you? You hope they make the right choices. You hope that they study. You hope that they do uh, their chores. You hope that when they're with their friends, you hope that when they go away to college, you hope, but you're not sure. If you're getting closer to retirement, you're watching the stock market really closely and you're hoping that if it doesn't go up, at least remains where it's at. You hope. We use lines like, my hopes and dreams. As a, as a college student, I had a, a, a hope and a dream to be a rock and roll star and travel the world playing guitar for hundreds of thousands of people. And I realized that was more of a dream because I really couldn't play guitar. But we talk about our hopes and dreams. You see, the definition for hope says this. To feel something desired may happen. And doesn't that say a lot about this word hope? There's this feeling within us 
with this desire that something might happen, may happen, potentially could happen, but we're not sure. To bring the definition to the shortest form possible, I think this is how we view the word hope. It's hope with a question mark. Hope? And isn't that how we use that word? We hope something might happen, but we're not sure and we're not really confident. There's a story. It's, it's over 2,500 years old. And maybe you've heard this story before. But there was this girl and uh, she was given a gift. It was a beautiful jar. But there was one stipulation around this gift. She couldn't open the jar. She couldn't take the lid off the jar. She could set that jar on, 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 a, on a counter or on a table. She could look at that jar. She could carry that jar around with her, but she was told, don't, don't take the lid off. It's the one stipulation, the one rule. And I could just imagine day after day after day, her looking at this beautiful jar, thinking to herself, wow, it's beautiful, but why can't I take off the lid? What's inside the jar? And would it really hurt if I took off that lid? And as time went, curiosity intensified. So one day, her husband left the house. And it was kind of her moment, her moment to grab that jar. And I could just imagine her holding the jar and having that long, drawn out kind of pause going, well, I really want to see what's inside, but I was told not to take off the lid, but it couldn't be really that bad, could it? And finally, her curiosity overcame her and she took off that lid. And when she took off that lid, all the evil spirits inside shot out. Lust and greed and poverty and rage and desolation. As quickly as she could, she, she put that lid back on that jar. And as she was putting that lid back on the jar, only one spirit remained. Spirit's name was El Peace, the spirit of hope. And for thousands of years, philosophers and scholars, ordinary people have discussed the meaning of what we call Pandora's box. Was hope trapped inside? Or was hope safe inside? If hope would have been released into the world, a world filled with all these evil spirits, would we have more hope? Or was hope safer inside? To this day, no one really knows the true meaning of Pandora's box and why the spirit of El Peace remained inside. And you think about that story. And it's no different today, is it? 
we have a question mark attached to hope. We're not sure. It's a feeling that may, that might happen. It might not. You see, the Bible has a whole different picture or definition of hope. It's as countercultural today as it was thousands of years ago. And we're going to look at two very simple verses that's going to guide our, our next four weeks together on this series, Hope Rising. It's going to kind of be that, uh, those foundational verses that we're going to build upon. But Paul's writing this letter. We call it Romans, a book. But it's actually a letter to the church located in Rome. And when he was writing this letter, it's right kind of in, in the midst of that great Greco-Roman uh, uh, period of, uh, uh, of this world. And Paul would have been uh, very aware of this story of Pandora's jar, Pandora's box. And he was living in this, this world where hope had a question mark. People weren't sure of their future. They weren't sure of how life was going to roll out in front of them. They weren't sure about what would happen at the end. They weren't sure about anything. I mean, the Romans had, had gods to every uh, god you could imagine. Even they had a temple for the unknown god, just in case they missed one. Like they, di they didn't want to miss one. And so Paul writes these verses, these words. He starts in uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 12. And he says, and again, Isaiah says, now, Paul's Bible, I mean, he didn't have the New Testament because that was being written. His Bible was the Old Testament. And so he's going back to this book called Isaiah, which was a book of uh, a prophecy. And so he's going back and he's saying, again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, uh, up one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Now let's break this down because there's a lot happening just in this one verse. The root of Jesse is kind of how uh, the, the, the prophets in the Old Testament were talking about the promised Messiah. There's different words. One was the root of Jesse. Another one talked about God's right arm. But throughout the Old Testament, in, in books like Malachi and Jeremiah and Isaiah and the Psalms, there was all these prophecies about the coming Messiah, the promised Messiah, the one who would come to this earth to make the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind. And so Paul's telling this group of people, hey, you know what the Old Testament says. You know what the, the prophet Isaiah talks about, about this promised Messiah coming. And next week, we're going to get more into the Old Testament prophecy of Jesus Christ. And so he's referring them back, having them kind of intellectually connect to that, that moment. And he goes, hey, the root of Jesse, the promised Messiah, Jesse was the father of King David. So from that lineage, and you can go into Matthew chapter 1 and, and read through that whole lineage. And he says, guess what? will spring up one who will rise to rule over the nations. 
meaning the promised eternal king, Jesus Christ. He's been prophesied. And he's come. He's already come. In him, the Gentiles will have hope. Now, we could spend a, a, a lot of time on this one thought about the Gentiles. But let me try to sum it up in about 30 seconds. Basically, God's promised chosen people were the Jews. But what happened when Jesus came to this earth, Jesus was this great equalizing force. Where Jesus said, hey, not just the Jews, but all people I came for. Jews and Gentiles. And Jesus brought everyone together. And in the verses leading up to verse 12, Paul goes back to the Old Testament and saying, hey, this promised Messiah was coming for all nations, for all nations, for all nations. That means the Gentiles. John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses, for God so loved the world, all the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Paul's saying, hey, this promised Messiah, this root of Jesse, this one that you've been waiting for has come, has walked this earth, has conquered the grave. And you can have hope. The Greek word there, el peace. You see the, how the Bible translates the word hope? It's not hope with a question mark. It's not this feeling of what may happen. You see, the Bible connects this word hope with an exclamation point. There's expectation. There's trust. There's a confidence saying, hey, when you hope, when you hope in God, there should never be an exclamation or a a question mark. It's an exclamation point. You can have confidence in. You can trust in. There's an expectation expectation that it will happen. And then Paul writes these words, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. You see, God is the origin of hope and he should be the object of our hope. And when you trust in God, When you have complete confidence in God, you have hope. Not a hope with a question mark, but a hope with an exclamation point. You know, Paul goes on to clarify when he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Right? Joy and happiness are two radically different concepts. Joy comes from God. It's an internal thing. No matter what goes on around you, you still can have joy. Happiness is this fleeting emotion. It quickly comes in. And as soon as something else happens in your life, 
happens around you, happens to you, goes away. You can be going through one of the most chaotic, difficult moments of life, but still have joy. Joy comes from God. Same thing with peace. When you put your hope in the God of hope, there's an amazing peace that, that rests within your soul. There was a, a team of us uh, in Israel last week, and it was a life-changing experience uh, in so many ways. But uh, uh, the, last, uh, the last full day we were in Israel, we were staying in Tel Aviv because we were going to fly out the next morning. And our, kind of our last stop was a small little city called Joppa. And uh, it's right uh, next to Tel Aviv. You, you really can't tell that they're two different cities. And so we're going to Joppa. And Joppa is one of those places, if you remember the story of Jonah in the Bible, uh, Joppa was the, the seaport that Jonah went to to flee God. And so we're kind of in Joppa and it's our last stop before going to our hotel in Tel Aviv. And uh, there's this moment where, uh, you know those moments you'll, you'll, you never will forget where you were. You can see it so clearly in your mind. It's one of these moments where I can just see where I was standing. And uh, I'm standing there in Joppa on this, uh, next to this, this road, right next to this old church, lo- looking over the Mediterranean Sea. And all of a sudden, the sirens go off. And immediately, I go back to uh, when I was this small little boy uh, being raised in Illinois. And uh, we had the same sounding sirens that would go off when there was a, a tornado warning. And if you're from the Midwest, you remember these sirens. And every time you'd hear these sirens, y- your gut instinct was to run outside to see if you could see a tornado, right? Like, you're just compelled. You're like, oh, where is it? Oh, there it is. I better run. And so I found myself being transported back to that moment. And I hear these sirens, and I quickly know it's not for a tornado, It's for a rocket. And that quickly, I look across this road and uh, some members from our group come. One was Rich Teeters who did our opportunities today. Rich is on the other side of the road and I'm looking at Rich. I'm like, we got to get everyone. Let's go. And right in that moment, you kind of hear this whoosh. And I look up into the sky and all of a sudden I see this It's the Iron Dome working. You know, the rocket defense technology. I don't know if you've read about it. And I I don't know if I was just being this macho guy, but it was the coolest thing I've seen. I'm like, wow, it works. That's awesome. Like if it didn't work, I wouldn't be here right now, but it works. And I had this overwhelming like experience where I'm like, ah, I can now like, Tell people that I've seen the Iron Dome. Not like on YouTube, but in Joppa. (laughs) I saw the Iron Dome and it was close. But I've been thinking about that moment because I've shared that story. Because it was kind of like, yeah, man, rocket coming in. I was in Joppa, Iron Dome, so cool. I'm macho. And, uh, but I've thought more and more and more about that moment. Because it was more than just me telling a really cool story. There's this incredible peace within my spirit that I haven't been able to describe. Was I scared? I don't know. Because the peace was so reassuring. Was I macho? 
No, I'm really not. I mean, when rockets come in, I mean, (laughs) you run. When you lay your life into the hands of the God of hope, you're filled with a peace that you can't describe. And you're filled with a joy that you can't articulate. And Paul's saying, hey, you know the root of Jesse? The promised Messiah? The one who came and walked and got on the cross and died and conquered the grave. Put your hope, exclamation point, in him. And when you put your life into the hands of the God of hope, his joy and his peace fills you from the inside out and you can't articulate it, but you know it's there. And then he goes on, he says, as you trust him, as you trust him, See, that's the choice for every single person in this room today. See, you can't trust God 99%. It's a choice that you choose to have complete confidence, trust, expectation, hope, and the God of hope. You see, we're in this season. We, we call it Advent. It starts next Sunday. And the word Advent means coming. It's a time of us thinking back to the promised Messiah. We celebrate it on December 25th. Jesus' birth. But if you've trusted and put your life into God's hand, understanding that Jesus Christ came and died for you, there's a second advent. That's when Jesus, the godly king, comes back. And Paul ends this whole thought by saying this. So that you may overflow with hope by the the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I've thought about that whole thought of overflowing with hope. When you place your hands or your life into the hands of the God of hope. When you trust him. He fills you up. And not only fills you up, but now you overflow. And when you overflow, who God is in you and through you starts impacting people around you. Because God just doesn't want you to contain what he's doing inside of you. He wants to take what's happening inside of you and his love, and his peace, and his joy, and he wants that to radiate out 
to the people you come in contact with. Have you ever been around someone and you can't articulate it and you can't quite put your finger on it, but there's just something different within them? Where you can be around someone and chaos can be, uh, uh, be all around, but there's a peace right there. Their life can have countless horrible things going on, but yet there's a joy. Where you're around them and their outlook, what their future might look like, it's a pretty difficult picture to look at, but yet they have a hope, not with a question mark, but with an exclamation point. You see, this is a season. We all know. Before we know, before we know, Christmas will be gone. I mean, not the bills, but Christmas will be gone. 2013 will be here. And life will continue on at breakneck speeds. But this is a season where we can slow down a little bit. So the question for you is this. When you think about hope, does it have a question mark attached to it? Or does it have an exclamation point to it? When you think about God, is he the God of hope in your life? Does he fill you with joy and peace? When you think about Jesus Christ, does he give you hope, a confidence, a trust, and an expectation that everything he has promised to you will happen? You see, this is a season. A season to remember, to reflect and to rest in the God of hope. Who loves all of us so much that he sent his son to this world to pay a price so that his grace would cover all. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for our time together. Lord, I don't know where every person in this room is in their spiritual journey with you. I don't know 
what everyone's dealing with in this room, but you do. And Lord, I pray that everyone will know that you're a God of hope. In a world and a culture that uh, has so little hope. That you're a God that we can trust in and have confidence in and have to know that in your hands, in your hands, there's incredible joy and peace. In your name I pray, amen.